We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4 today. You can open, your, open, up, open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. Um, Lauren and I took a week, we were on vacation, and then came back, and then got our oldest daughter, Allie, ready, and took her down to college in Tennessee. She's still there, everybody. <laughs> We didn't know if she would run back home, but she didn't. She's still there at college, so we're now in that phase where uh, she's calling us and asking us how to do a lot of things, but we're so proud of her for being down there. Um, but we're adjusting now to having just two kids and two teenagers in the house, so that was a little crazy. And then we got uh, the other kids ready to go back to school. So the last few weeks have been um, kind of a rush, but it's good to be back now. It's good to be back in God's Word, and our uh, staff is faithfully getting a fall plan ready for ministry. You might be wondering, how is church going to work this fall with men's ministry, women's ministry, Awana, youth and everything? And we're planning all of that. We're going to roll out that plan in the weeks to come. But we are very excited. We're, we're planning to minister in every way. We're planning to minister in every way. Uh, ministries will be different, obviously. Um, but we are coming up with a plan to help you gather, to help you grow, regardless of whether you can gather in person or only online. We are coming up with that. So keep us in prayer as we develop that fall plan. So in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, the series is called Glory in the Church, and the sermon this morning is called Break or Build. It's all about our words. The Bible today shows us that we can use our words to break others down or to build others up. The Bible challenges us today to see that we can use our words to build up the church of Christ so that he receives glory. We can also break down the church of Christ so that he is grieved. And it's all about our words. The Bible is clear when it comes to the power of our words. If you've ever read through the book of Proverbs, you can't get far into the book of Proverbs without coming across uh, descriptions of the power of the tongue. And so, for example, in Proverbs 13.3, it says, Whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. Now that's a strong statement. Guard this, guard this, <laughs> right? He who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. And then again in Proverbs 18.21, it says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. So in here, everyone point, in here is death and life. Both of them, and those who love it, will eat its fruits. So we have to be so careful with the words that leave our mouths. And today we're going to be challenged to be transformed by our words through the power of, of God and His Spirit. Let's pray and then we'll get into the Word together. Father, we do pray that you would help us to control the words that we use. Help us to glorify you with everything that comes out of our lips. We know that the Bible is accurate and honest in saying if anyone is sinless in what he says, he is a perfect man. Meaning it's just not the reality. We all struggle. And we pray that you would help us in this struggle, this daily struggle, this ongoing struggle to glorify you with our lips. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, here's what it says. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, 
along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. So are we going to break or are we going to build? That's the question. The first thing you can write down, number one, is guard your lips. Guard your lips. There's actually notes on the app. If you want to follow along in the Anchor Payless app, you can take notes there. And if you want, there's the PDF every week is put into the, um, the app so you can actually print it up if you want to bring notes with you. But number one, guard your lips. Guard your lips at home. Guard your lips at school. Guard your lips at church. And guard your lips at work. Everywhere you go, the drive through the DMV, guard your lips. <clears throat> we have to, verse 29, let no corrupting talk come out. Don't, don't let it out. Once the word is out, you can never get it back again. Once it's out, it is out permanently, and you can't do anything about it. I like that thought of not letting your words out. We now are a two-dog family. We have an older dog, Spencer, and he is feisty, right? And he hates the mailman. If he could get out, he would kill the mailman. I don't think he really would, but I think he thinks he really would. When the mailman comes to the door, he acts like there's an alien invasion outside. And, and so we have to not let him out. And then we got a puppy. Our puppy's name is Cosmo. Here's a picture of our puppy. He is a golden doodle. There he is. He's a golden doodle, golden retriever mixed with a poodle, and there he is, and he wouldn't hurt a fly. He, he gets into trouble sometimes. Here's the next picture. He, uh, that's after a bath because he got into something. So if we let him out, he would get into trouble. He'd probably lick the mailman and then run into the street, right? So we, but we can't let them out. Don't let the dogs, right? Because the one will kill the mailman and the other one will run away. So we can't let them out. Look, words are the same way. Listen, don't let them out. When you know that there's going to be trouble, don't let any unwholesome, corrupting talk get out. The word unwholesome can mean, in the original Greek, rotten, worthless, corrupt, putrid. You know the words I'm talking about. They want to get out. Let me out. Let me out. Let me at them, right? Let me out. And the Bible says the battle starts here. Don't even let them out. And actually, in the Greek, it, it refers to a singular, not a word. Not, don't let that word out. Don't let it out. Not even one of them can get out. Guard your lips. Jot this down. Don't be destructive. No, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. And then it, it talks about building up. So this constructive uh, construction imagery we're going to use here is don't be destructive with our words or corrosive, uh, harmful. There's great power in the words that we said. You probably remember from when you were young, a coach or, or, or a teacher or even a parent, you probably remember a, a comment that was made that was so hurtful or insulting or derogatory. You could probably still say it today because it was like an arrow. It pierced your heart. And you also probably can remember a teacher or a coach or a parent who said something affirming and you like caught it and it stayed with you right? So we can't be destructive with our words. 
James 3, 5 to 6 says this, So also the tongue is a small member, meaning a small body part, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. Can there be a more powerful description, a a more cautionary description of the tongue? It can be set on fire by hell, and it can set your entire life on fire. This idea of a single word, a single spark starting an entire forest ablaze, that's appropriate right now. California is on fire again. Have you seen the news? On fire again. It's always, it's on fire many times. Um, But I, I grabbed a clip of a forest fire from California. This was not from this one, but from previously. But check it out. Here's, here's what it looks like when a great forest is set ablaze. And look at the destruction. Look at the danger. Look at the devastation. It started somewhere. Started somewhere. The spark. And then it kept spreading and spreading and spreading. And here's the thing. That can be your home. That can be your job. Even worse, that can be your church. And it just takes a spark. It just takes words that lead to this blazing inferno. And listen, we are being warned with how we use our words because of the destructive power of even one word. Maybe you saw last week about the Cincinnati Reds announcer, Tom Brenneman. 30 years, I think, he's been calling games, World Series games. Uh, and, and pre-game show, the camera was on an empty field. He didn't know that it was live. And he made one wrong remark. An insulting, anti-gay slur. Didn't know the world was listening. And by the fifth inning, they came in and they told him, uh, it's time it's over. During the game, he had to issue this apology, this awkward apology during a home run. Oh, there goes a home run. Uh, And he's apologizing, and he says, well, I'll probably never wear this headset again. How many words did it take to destroy a 30-year career? Not only that, but his father is in the Hall of Fame as a broadcaster. How many words? How many words? How many words? This many this many, and he's done. It may only take this many words to pierce the heart of your child this week and for decades. It may only take this many to undo 10 years of faithfulness in your marriage, and it may only take this many to to blow a hole in the side of this church. This is it. Just one careless word. Don't be destructive. Don't be destructive. We have to realize the power of negative words. It says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. So it talks about the Holy Spirit here. It says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. So write this down. Don't be destructive and don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Hey, guard your lips. How? Well, don't be destructive and don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Do you know what that means? First of all, that means there is a Holy Spirit. There is a God. He is a triune God. He is three in one. And the Holy Spirit, we know, is not only dwelling within us individually. You are a temple of God. The Holy Spirit is dwelling in us, plural, meaning we 
are the dwelling place of God's Holy Spirit. He resides here. So when you say something, right, to hurt someone else, guess who's right there? God is right there. And this idea that somehow my words can be, you know, thrown out there with God not being right there, and, and not only God hearing it, but God feeling it. I just, I just grieved God with this. That should motivate us to be so careful with what words we let escape out of our mouths. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Our only hope for getting our words under control is realizing that it will take the mighty power of the Holy Spirit to get our words under control. He's here, right? He's listening, and the Bible says every careless word will be brought to account during judgment. Knowing that, then the mighty force that is my mouth will find a mightier force that is God's Spirit. That's our only hope for getting this under control. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. It says, <clears throat> don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. The idea of being sealed uh, can, can indicate a few different things. It could indicate possession, meaning we belong to God. Ownership, uh, a price that was paid, um, or a promise that was made, meaning you belong and you're heading to a day, right, where God will keep his promises. The idea of a seal represents the authority and the trustworthiness and the reputation of the one who sealed something. So here's a picture of a seal. You can go on Etsy today and get your own personal seal made up. There's a wax seal, right, for a, a wedding or whatever. You can get your own seal, and it shows, look, I'm sending you this invitation, and I'm putting my own mark on it to show you that you're special to me, and you're invited, and this event is all about us. Now, that seal, imagine if it belongs to God. And imagine if you look around and every Christian is sealed by the Holy Spirit, belonging to God, and invited to this day that's coming, which is the wedding feast of the Lamb. When Jesus comes back, there's this great wedding banquet that we're all going to, right? And imagine looking around and seeing we're all going, we're all marked, we're all sealed. That should change the way you talk to people. What can motivate us to be transformed in our speech? Um, imagining the moment when we're all sitting together at the table and Jesus is there and realizing what we've said to some of those people. That the end should motivate us right now to be transformed along the way. Individually, we see other people as precious to God. Corporately, as a church, we see that we are going somewhere together. And how, how um, out of place is it for us to be quarreling on the way to there? So don't grieve the Holy Spirit. And then jot this down, build others up. Guard your lips, don't be destructive. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. And build others up. <clears throat> it says here, uh, it says in verse 31, let, or I'm sorry, it says, as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And then it says, uh, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, only such that is good for building up. That made me think of like tools. So I brought like a toolbox here. I brought my toolbox here from my office. I've got one at home. I've got one in my office. But building up, it's a construction term in the Greek. So when you're about to say something, you should be like, all right, I am about to say something to you. Now, am I about to say something that's going to be constructive? Or am I about to say something that's going to be destructive? I, words are like tools, and I'm going to use these tools very carefully to build something and not to destroy something. 
Just imagine yourself when you've got all these words to choose from, and there's so many different words, and how am I going to be so precise and careful with exactly what I say so that I'm not just saying everything that's on my mind, right? That shouldn't be the way that we do it. So we have to be so careful, not just the people we're talking to, but it also says that it would give grace to the listeners. So we have to make sure that it fits the occasion, and then it gives grace to those who hear. So it's fitting, it's needed, uh, right? And those who are hearing are benefiting. I'm not handing everyone an axe and saying, let's get to work, you know, breaking this person down. That's what it means to build others up. Let's face it, we struggle to speak well of others. Um, Children, we struggle to speak well of our parents. And parents, we struggle to speak well of our children. We can struggle to speak well of our relatives, especially after a family party. We can struggle to speak well of our boss or our spouse or authority figures in our life who are demanding something or changing something. We struggle to speak well of them. We struggle to speak well of our enemies. And listen, when you reach into that toolbox this week, build others up, including those who are listening. Number one, guard your lips. Don't be destructive. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Build others up. Now, number two, write this down. Get rid of it. It gives us this list now of things that have to go. In in case it wasn't clear specifically, it says in verse 31, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. There's this list of things that need to get out of the toolbox. Get that out. Don't speak that way. I'm glad and grateful when the Bible gets so clear and and cut and dry, so crystal clear, and yet I'm also convicted because I'm like, couldn't it have been a little more gray? Couldn't you have let me get away with a few careless comments? But when it says get rid of it, it describes now this downward spiral of destruction that we will get on if we're not careful toward other people. So the first word it says there is bitterness. You can write that down. Get rid of it. Get rid of what? Bitterness. Bitterness. Bitterness basically means a sour heart. Um, You know how it starts. Someone says something or does something that hurts your feelings and you then see them or something they post or and and in your heart it feels like there's like a lemon in your mouth just like mm, them mm, mm, bitterness does anyone else know what i'm talking about is it's just the beginning of a sour feeling towards someone but here's a picture of a baby being given a lemon for the first time check it out the face oh yeah yeah that that look that squint that that's how you feel when someone first gets on your bad side when they first say something unkind when they first and when you see them you know at work that's what happens in your in your heart you're just like, oh them you know, them. That's the moment when you have to start saying, okay, I'm at the first step of my downward spiral into destruction, because when I see that person, I feel like that, okay? And let all bit, now if you take care of it in that moment, 
then you won't take the next step. Bitterness is a sour heart, a lemon in the mouth. You're sour toward a person. If you don't take care of it, then it's going to turn into the next word, which is wrath or rage. It can be uh, translated either way, rage, wrath. It basically means a boiling, a boiling. Uh, a boiling, here's a pot that's boiling, right? Now when you, you haven't taken care of it at the bitterness stage, so then when you see them, as time rolls on, you get hot. You get heated. You start to compound your, the, the level of anger you feel toward this person, right? Every day at work, you have to see them, right? And, and it's getting hotter in your heart, and you're not dealing with it right. Maybe you're there right now with somebody, right? You were, you were bitter. You were sour. Now you're hot, but nothing has happened yet, and you think you can control it, right? You think you can control it, but it's not going to stop because it moves on to the next word, which is anger, a bursting. Now, in, in the English text, it sounds like rage is worse than anger. In the Greek, these are synonyms. There's a lot of overlap, but actually it goes from a sourness, a bitterness, to a, more of a boiling. The word anger in the original Greek is actually more, it's, it's a bursting, so it actually is more anime. It's a bursting. You've now boiled over, right? There's, there's a bursting out. There's an eruption. Uh, there, there's, now you can't contain it anymore, okay? So here's a picture of a volcano, and you just, maybe privately, maybe in your own heart, you, boom, you lose it. Boom, you lose it. And now you haven't, con- you haven't taken care of it at the lemon stage, and you let the pot boil, and now, boom, right? It didn't start in that moment. You've allowed it to get to this point. Maybe it's a private boom behind the steering wheel. Maybe it's with your spouse or whatever, but now you are angry. It doesn't stop there. It moves on to clamor. Clamor is a loud word. It's a bellowing. So now, not only have you emotionally lost it, but you are now bellowing. You are not loud. You are not clamoring. You are now letting everyone. This could be at the family party. The fight finally happened. Now, everyone is hearing it, right? It's a very loud, loud word. Here's a picture of a guy who's bellowing. He's on a megaphone, and he's letting the world hear it, right? You didn't take care of it at the lemon stage, and then you certainly didn't let the pot, you know, cool down. So then you erupted, and then you're letting everyone hear it. But next, it gets even worse. Then comes the slander, the spreading of strife, right? The spreading of strife. And, and here's, here's the image I would use for that. Can you believe what she said to me at that party? Oh, oh, did you hear that? Yeah, now, now I'm spreading it, right? And now, oh yeah, and you got to hear my side of it. Oh no, that's not what happened. Oh, and if you even knew, if you even knew, you know, oh, someone else is calling, hold on, hello. I know, can you believe it? I know. Slander, slander, slander. Now you're spreading it. Now you're spreading it. Now you're spreading it, right? You're getting your squad on your side. But then what comes last is worse. This is the worst, and this is where it's always going to go if you don't take care of it. Malice. Malice means you're actively injuring or destroying another person. So you got your toolbox and you, uh, you lost it. You can't believe that person anymore. Where is it? I can't believe they did this. There it is. This is where it ends, friends. If you don't take care of it when the lemon's in your mouth, you will desire to injure the other person with your words. Their reputation, 
or them. Sometimes you don't care. This, this is where, and, and when people come to church with this, that's where we're in big trouble, right? That's, when you come to work with this, that's bad in your home, but the warning in the Bible is when people are coming to church like this, okay? And as a church, we have to make sure that we understand the downward spiral of destruction so that we don't get stuck in it. We take care of it when we're at the bitterness stage. We talk through it. We don't let it come to a boil. We don't certainly burst. We absolutely don't bellow. The slander grieves the spirit. And when we get to the point where there's malice, there needs to be drastic intervention. It really helps if you believe in the power of the tongue. Whenever someone is complaining or slandering or gossiping or speaking maliciously, it really helps if you just imagine them with every word throwing a match on your carpet. What would you do if someone walked into your house this afternoon and lit a match and threw it on your carpet? I don't think you'd be like, that sounds horrible. Tell me more. You'd go, stop that right now. You are going to burn this place to the ground. And it would be so much better if people everywhere, but in the church, when you heard that, heard that, acted like someone just threw matches on the carpet. Hey, look, we don't talk that way around here. Hey, if you've got an issue, go to that person. Hey, I don't know why you thought I would want to hear that, but um, no. This is our challenge. Get rid of it individually, but also together. Get rid of it. Bitterness, rage, anger, clamor, slander, malice. Now the good news is God knows that we need help with this. The question is, are you ready, are we ready to invite God to pull us out of this downward spiral of destruction? I, I trust that God is maybe convicting you with a relationship in your life where you are spiraling down. I don't know where you're at in the process, but you're going down. Maybe you're, maybe you're already at the bottom holding that knife towards somebody. Maybe you've been holding that knife towards somebody for don't know. But are you ready to ask God to pull you out of that downward spiral? The good news is he can. Number three, write this down. Be constructive. Be constructive. Verse 32, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. So we're to be constructive, and here's what that means. We're kind. We're kind. You can write this down. Be kind. Be kind. It's such a powerful thing to say to yourself and to somebody else. I'm going to call them and I'm going to tell them what's on my mind. Be kind. Why would I do that after what they've done to me? Right? We feel so justified. Hey, are you planning on being kind in that conversation? No. Kind means being mild and pleasant as opposed to being harsh, sharp, and bitter. It's from one dictionary. Mild and pleasant, as opposed to harsh, sharp, and bitter. If you feel like you're always throwing the first copy of your words at another person to try and hurt them, let me give you a little helpful tool here. The next time that somebody really gets on your nerves and you really want to say something, just imagine yourself, in your mind, writing, writing down the first thing of what you want to say to them, and then crumpling it up and then just throwing it right at their forehead. Like, just imagine yourself doing that. Like, this is what I want to say. I'm going to crumple it up and throw it at them. 
This is all in your mind, though. Just in your mind, and then be like, okay, I'm going to start working on the second draft. <laughs> I'm not going to say that. Maybe, maybe you have to throw three or four sloppy copies, right, Adam, first. And then, and then finally hand them something kind that you've really thought through. And then when you realize that God helped you with that and you didn't throw bricks at them, then just pick up all of the things you wanted to say and just throw those away. And praise God that those things won't come up in Judgment Day. Be kind. Be kind. And, and when it comes to picking your words, understand that when you take that time to actually slow down and pick the right words, you're actually picking words that are going to get you more of what you want. I know in the moment maybe you want revenge or you want to, you know, settle the score or you want to vindicate yourself, but what you really want is to glorify God and you want the relationship to end up in a better place. So if you're more careful, you will actually have more power in the relationship as time rolls on. If you're less careful, you'll have a bigger fire on your hands to put out. <clears throat> um, in Proverbs 25, 15, it says, the gentle tongue breaks the bone. The gentle tongue breaks the bone. Meaning the power of your words. If you're, the more careful you are, the more powerful your words are. So understand that being kind is not being weak. It's not meaning that you're going to be walked over or taken advantage of. It actually means that you have gathered full control over yourself and you're going to be strong with what you say. Be kind. Jot this down. Be compassionate. Be compassionate or tender-hearted, right? Be kind to one another, tender-hearted. It means that we have to make sure that our heart is in the right place before we give a response. Uh, that includes, you know, texting and social media. I can't believe what that person just said to me. I'm going to, right? You're going to be like, oh, actually, I'm going to take a breather here because my heart isn't in the right place. And I'm going to wait until my heart is in the right place and I'm compassionate and tender-hearted toward this person so that I can be helpful and not hurtful. Before I reach into that toolbox, I'm going to actually get my heart in the right place. Be kind, be compassionate, tender-hearted. This even includes your enemy. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Those people who you feel are least deserving of your kind-heartedness, those are the people who God expects you to be tender-hearted toward. I've got to get my heart in the right place after that person said this to me? Absolutely. The Bible says anybody can love those who love them. Even the world can do that. You love me, I love you. You hate me, I hate you. <laughs> That's not the Christian way. The Christian way is that those people who don't deserve it get our greatest compassion, right? So we're going to be tender-hearted and compassionate. We're going to be very careful. When uh, we dropped Ellie off at college, Lauren and I had spent a long time, we each wrote up a, a letter for her, right? With our heart. We shared our heart with her. And I did mine on the computer site. Several drafts, I went back to it, and I was just trying to express to her how much I love her, and I'm proud of her, and stay away from boys, and I want you to be responsible, uh, and just tried to put it all in, and I had to rearrange it, and cut and paste it, and then finally I was like, okay, I think it's done. And so then we both gave her our letters, and she put them in her Bible, and she said she was going to read them, you know, when she was feeling a little homesick. Um, you can't do that all the time, you know, like, 
It would be nice if in the moment, you know, you said, just, you know what, it's going to take me three weeks, but I'll get back to you, you know, because sometimes things are just unfolding so rapidly. But um, at our best, we should be compassionate, tenderhearted. We should really get our hearts in the right place before we speak. Be constructive, be kind, be compassionate. Jot this down, forgive, forgive. Finally, forgive. Forgive, it says in verse 32, as God in Christ forgave you. Hey, do you want to know the secret to becoming a forgiving person? You want to know what that is? Do you struggle with forgiveness, bitterness? Do you hold grudges? Do you want to know what the secret is to becoming a, a forgiving person? Uh, becoming a forgiven person. Looking up and realizing God's not up there, telling all the angels about everything you've done to him. Oh, and then he did this, and then he did this, and when he was 13, he did this, and when he was 14, he did Can you imagine if that was our God? Always, always bitter toward us up in heaven. And if that's you, you've got to look up and be like, am I even forgiven by a holy God? Because the Bible says that if we are forgiven much, we should forgive much. Meaning if we look up and realize just how much we have offended God, and he's forgiven it all in Christ, we should look at the offenses we have and be like, I'm going to forgive. I'm going to be a forgiving person. Because I am a forgiven person. And let me talk to those of you who maybe, maybe you're not a Christian. Maybe you haven't been baptized. Maybe you haven't publicly proclaimed your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe your whole life you've failed to get your mouth under control. And you know it. And you know it. And the last thing I would want you to walk away with is one more try harder list of ways to try and do something that's impossible for you to do. This isn't a message about how if you try hard enough you can get this thing under control. This is a message how it's impossible without God's Holy Spirit in your life. Even then it's hard. Have you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ? Have you admitted to God that you need to be forgiven of all of your sin? If you think that you're without sin, the Bible calls you a liar. If you say you're without sin, the Bible says you're a liar, right? You need forgiveness from God. The first thing you can do with your mouth to liberate it is to tell the truth to God about your heart. I have sinned against the holy God, and I need forgiveness for all of it. Bam! That breaks the power of sin in your mouth. Then when you're a forgiven person, you can look at every other relationship, at the love God has for them. Then your mouth will overflow with the goodness that's in your heart. Hey, who needs your kindness this week? Who needs your compassion this week? Who needs your forgiveness this week? Who needs devotion from you this week? Who, which difficult people in your life are most tempting you to reach into that toolbox and get to work tearing things down? It's time to come to the Lord and to say, forgive me, for I have, I have unclean lips. Wash me again, strengthen me again, and help me to be constructive. Hey, this is a tall order, and we can only be transformed if God's Spirit does the work. So let's bow our heads, let's close our eyes, and let's humble ourselves before God and invite Him to strengthen us in this area. Lord Jesus, we thank You that You give us Your grace. And I know that there's many people here who feel convicted or who will feel convicted this week when their word choice is not what it should be. And Lord, I just pray for the husbands and wives and fathers and mothers and sons and daughters in the room, for the employers and employees and small group leaders and members and staff and elders and deacons. And Lord, I just pray that you would help us to speak words of life 
to one another and about one another. And where we have failed in this area, help us to repent. Help us, O Lord, to stop at the first step on the downward spiral into destruction. And if we've plunged down to the depths of malice, I just pray that you would help us to repent and to come back up to the light. I pray that your church would be strengthened, O Lord, as we get this area under control. And I pray for those who maybe have never said with their mouth the truth about their sin to God. They've never broken that power of sin, uh, Lord, by saying, Jesus, forgive me. Lord, I pray that there would be some even here today who are with their mouth confessing Jesus as Lord and repenting and saying, Jesus, forgive me for I have sinned. Forgive me of all of my sins. Come into my life transform every part, including my tongue. I pray that you would help us, Lord, to see your power and your grace in this area because we desperately need it. And we pray this in Jesus' name.